Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure. It's Monday. I am so happy to be here. Is it really November already? My goodness gracious. The year has flown by and that's a good thing. Here we are and it's still, where are we now? We're in the sign of Scorpio, Western Zodiac, and it goes from October 23rd to November 22nd. We'll go over that in just a moment, but I didn't rehearse this with my guest today. You're all creators, by the way, officially James and Vincent and Helen and Diane. And you're all creators with a capital C. So I want you to be creative with me. I want you to put up your fingers in the shape of the letter L, please. Make the letter L. And on the count of three, you're, I don't care which way. James, you can do both hands if you want. On the count of three, you're going to join me in saying, hello, L, L, L. Ready? One, two, three. Hello, Jordan, my engineer, I think that was probably the all-time best with four people on the show. I, I'm just <laughs> absolutely blown away. In case you're wondering, LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, L-E-G-Z, our most loyal listener. And I've been trying to get her to move to a place. Diane, she lives in Whitestone, which is a W. Trying to get her to move to a place that starts with the letter L. And I was going to move her to London. We took up a GoFundMe, <laughs> a fake GoFundMe. But who knows? You know, the universe, the law of attraction could be listening. And uh, London was too hot and too expensive. So we didn't do that. And then I moved a year and a month month ago to a place that started with an L. I wanted to move to London and I have this habit of tilting. James, I tilt my head when I read sometimes. Yeah, James knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I tilt my head and the first N in London went upside down and I landed in Loudoun, Tennessee. So I've been trying to get Laura <laughs> to move here with me. I can find her a lovely house on the lake or something. We, I'm sure we all have a couple of million extra in our pocket to do that. So lovely lanky Laura Legs is our most loyal listener and at 8 1 p.m. Eastern tonight, I promise you, she will email me and she will say, here's what Diane said, and here's what Helen said, and here's what James said, and here's what Vincent said. She'll give me a little report on how much she enjoyed what each of you said on the show tonight. And that's why she's so special. So that history goes way back. I've had somebody about every five to 10 years who follows the show at that level. And Laura is it. So I'll hear from legs after the show. So let me read a little poem. I usually do a very, very serious intro, but I recently started to tap into AI. And I happen to be a fan of ChatGPT. I know it's an LLM, large language model, and people are afraid of it. And I know that its database it was capped at around November 2020. So it can't go out on the internet and search. And James, it might not know who you are right now or who Diane is or what you all wrote or what you did. Or I the hope leaders. it knows who I am. I've been around since before 2021. Well, there you go. But it doesn't know who I am. And I've, I have 56 radio series and I've been around and it still doesn't know. It thinks other people host my shows. So here's the deal. I sent it. I put in input my guest information, serious stuff, because you're all very serious. And I asked it to write a poem for me. And here is what I got. So listen up when I call your name, just wave hello to the audience. Okay, so get ready for AKA Radio Red. 
her Monday night party show. It's Read My Lips Radio Live. You can tune in on the go. Helen Wright, wave hello, Helen, first female coaching a men's top rugby team. She's a champion for women. Her story makes us beam. James L. Hill, wave hello, the wordsmith across genres. He does Rome with his own Rock, Rock Hill Publishing. There we go. He also brings others' stories home. Hope you like that, James. Diane Perlmutter Reynolds, entrepreneur with Innovations Bright, published her father's sweet humor with smiles that make it all right. And Vincent James, who's been on the show about 25,000 times, the Melody Weaver founded Keep Music Alive with Glee sharing his love of music so kids and grown-ups will find harmony. How's that, Vincent? So Helen, James, Diane, and Vincent, in their unique activity, join AKA Radio Red to celebrate glimpses of creativity. And I named it in honor of Diane's father's book. So what'd you think? Did you like it, Helen? Did you like it? I did. Yeah, I did. Very excellent. Yeah. Vincent, what'd you think, Vincent? Cool. That was beautiful. I'm going to be jumping into chat GBT and see what I come up with. There you go. <laughs> I use it for all of my serious business and technology shows as well, but a different type of a tone. And it's very fond of saying in the realm of oh, almost everything. But I will tell you that AI is wonderful, but we need the human <laughs> the human condition. That's me. We need the human touch. So <laughs> I customize all the poems myself after I receive them. But the magic of the poems and magic of chat GPT is that when you input, you'll say, please write a poem a short poem, a long poem with the following text, and you copy everything in that you have in one paragraph. It takes less than three seconds to return the full verse wow. to you. I'm not kidding. It's magical and it's real. There we go. So uh, I want to just say that, let me look here now. Let's see. It is November 6th. It is the 303rd day of 2023 in the Gregorian calendar. In case you all are not aware, Gregorian was Pope Gregory, but at one point in time, he looked at the Julian calendar. And Helen, this may shock you. And James, I don't know if you know this, but he basically said, I don't like where uh, the Julian calendar puts the extra days. I'm going to move them around. We want a leap day every 300 years, every 400 years. And he changed it. So I assume that Pope Gregory's mom, whoever she was, said, Greggy, Grego, Gregor, you're a pretty smart guy. I think you're an early creative. And one day, Radio Red, hundreds of years later, on the <laughs> internet, without any wires, is going to talk about you and tell everybody how smart you are. Don't we all think she said that to her son? Diane, of course we do, right? Absolutely. That's what mommy said to, to Grego. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, I just want to know, is anybody here a Scorpio? Anybody born between October 23rd? Nobody? James? My brother. My brother is a Scorpio. Well, okay. Well, I'm. what I want to do very briefly here before we get into you're each going to give your bio in a minute but i want to tell you a little bit about scorpio and you now have the opportunity to become an honorary scorpio all four of you so listen up for a minute here personality it's a fixed water sign they're loyal when you hear a, a description of who you are loyal somebody put a hand up loyal devoted passionate are we getting it? Yes. Deep feelings and emotions, intense personalities. I could be one. I'm a Libra, though. And acute sixth sense, gut instincts may ignore the facts. I don't know about that. Always analyzing and processing information. Do not let their guard down with strangers. Reliable, faithful, generous, if they like you. There's that guard again. No other sign besides Scorpio 
will hold your hand or dry your eyes when you cry, will fight your battles for you as though it's their own, and laugh over obstacles even though their sense of humor is a little dark, a little macabre. They're moody, obsessive. Anybody going to admit to that? Secretive. (laughs) They love fiercely and fully. And they're the most genuine sign, and they're not fake or phony. Anybody here want to be an honorary Scorpio? Diane, James, partial, maybe? I like what I am. Not so sure. I like it. All right. Well, I'm sorry about that. Well, I want to tell you that the professions for Scorpios, bless you, are psychologist, psychiatrist, detective, that's good for mystery writers, a surgeon, a pharmacist, a researcher, financial advisor, tour guide, and criminologist. I have a lot of horror authors and mystery authors on the show. So that works for them. Famous Scorpios, Katy Perry, Winona Ryder, Tracy Ellis Ross, Drake, Julia Roberts, Pete Davidson, who just keeps hosting SNL, Ryan Gosling, Sean Diddy Combs, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Lord. So there you go. We don't have any honorary Scorpios today. Let's go around the table. I'm going to put you each on speaker view. Helen, you okay? I see some Yeah. I'm right? just coughing a little bit. I'm tra- it's awful when you try to hold a cough, right? Because you just makes it worse. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm going to give you three minutes to give us the full bio because I just read one little tiny line in the verse about what you do and people would love to know. So Helen Wright, I'm putting you on speaker view. Officially, welcome to Read My Lips. Tell us who you are and what you do. Well, my name's Helen Wright, and I'm a rugby coach and an author now. And I started coaching rugby in about 1982. I played as well. I played for the national team, and it was the first national team, and we played against the Americans, and it sort of kick-started uh, the whole international scene for women's rugby. And then I started coaching, and I have coached men and women, and I coached at the University of Alberta for five years, and we were lucky. We won some championships, or not lucky, and just good. That could be it, too. (laughs) And uh, I've written a book about being the only and first sort of female rugby coach in this men's domain. Helen, you and I were chatting before the other guests joined. You came here a little (laughs) bit early, and we were talking about the 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 reach and the applicability of your book about coaching and you were saying it's really just sports coaching and i was suggesting that when you coach in sports you're basically doing life coaching aren't you about winning about focusing about dedication about commitment about doing your best right you want to just tell us a little bit about the book a little more well, the book kind of goes into my philosophy, which is that, um, and and it was Nelson Mandela that said that sport can heal the world. And, and I just am a real believer in that because it is such a good platform for taking uh, all these people that come across your path and allowing them to, you know, try something that they're like face some of their fears because it's a dangerous sport, right? It, it's hard. And, uh, and then thereby sort of finding out what their potential is together with other people and and just being the best person you can be. Lovely. Camaraderie, communication, collaboration, yep. cooperation, and community. Did I hit them all? Yes, absolutely. Okay. They're just sitting there yep. right on the top. We, we talk about all kinds of words here on the show, and we typically talk about creativity. So I had a guest on about a year ago, Helen, who said to her, 
being creative is being courageous. So we talked about courageous creativity. So we can use some of those words to talk about your book. Thank you so much. I'm delighted you joined me. And a shout out to Steve Harrison and all the merry band of yes, his people who put you. on the National oh. Publicity Summit. That's where I met Helen Wright. I met yes. you there originally too, Vincent. Uh, that yep. goes way, way back. James Hill is here by the good reference of my friend Mickey Mickelson from Creative Edge PR. James, we want to hear all about you. What do you do? What's your publishing house and who is that handsome thing in the background behind you talk to me <laughs> welcome james hey there red okay what i do is i write and i write in three different genres well four genres now because i started nano and i decided to dive into horror but i write in sci-fi fantasy adult urban crime novels i got a whole series out and now, like I said, I just started the Nano because it's in November. And I wrote a short story for a, um, what the heck is that thing Roll called? Oh, here it goes. I got into this guy because some of the people from um, Virginia asked me to be part of the Dark Corners of the Old Dominion, uh, Virginia Horror Anthology. And I've been wanting to write horror stories for God knows how long. I'm a big fan of uh, Stephen King. And so as I wrote that one story, I said, you know what? Nano's coming up. I'm going to hit and write a, a horror novel. So, Interesting. When, where do you write? When do you write, James? How, how, do you, how do you get yourself set up for, I'm going to write a horror novel? I mean, do you watch a lot of movies that are horror? Or what, what do you do? Just give us actually, a clue. Actually, I don't like horror movies. I think most of them are campy. <laughs> But I've been watching a bunch of horror movies because it's October and, you know, Halloween and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I am very, I like, like I said, Stephen King. I like horror stories. Edgar Allan Poe was one of my heroes growing up. So, you know, I'm a very dark and twisted person. <laughs> <laughs> so, so horror comes naturally to me. Crime stories, horror stories, you know, my sci-fi is dystopian type of stories mm -hmm. so uh it wasn't too hard to, to jump into the idea of writing something in the horror vein so i finally decided to go ahead and pull the trigger write a horror novel for you. and uh i'm also a publisher because as you can see the dragon behind me mm -hmm. uh 10 years ago or so now i started rock hill publishing because so many people kept coming up to me and asking me how did i get started writing how did i get published and I am also a programmer by, by trade. So my day job is usually programming and... What language? Do, what language? What computer? All of them. Okay. <laughs> when, you... Whenever you start programming, you say, I program in BASIC, they ask you, can you do C? I program in C, they ask you, can you do... For, well, I started in Fortran and Cobalt, which showed you how old I am. Darling, but, darling, I'm an early woman in tech. I was coding Cobalt on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 before Xerox bought them, before it was Honey, Honeywell bought them, Xerox, Honeyrox, they called it. And I was in the key punch era with the green bar paper and carrying yeah. around a box of Hollerith 80 column cards. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. So yes. you and I, we won't talk about age, but we we go back in tech. So I was Cobalt and then PL1 on an IBM. PL1? Did PL1? 
Yeah. I did all kinds of languages. A little bit of assembler there, and I hated yep. Fortran. Thank you, James. This is a True Confessions with James Hill <laughs> and AKA Radio Red. Thank you. We're going to hear a lot more from you during the show. I'm delighted to meet you, James, and thank you thank so you. much. And let's go to Diane Perlmutter Reynolds. Diane and I got to know each other recently through the National Inventors Club, and we became friends, and we're yeah. doing some things to help her with her book. So, Diane, these people don't know anything about you. Why don't you start from who you are, what you're doing, talk about your book and your invention, please. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, Radio Red, and I appreciate this. It's really fun. Um, I'm Diane Perlmutter Reynolds, and by trade, I was a dental hygienist, and I um, actually worked in Switzerland when I was very young as a hygienist for two years, came back, and then I relocated from Maryland to San Francisco. So in San Francisco, I would consider myself an entrepreneur, an inventor, and an author in, as a kind of umbrella. And in San Francisco, I decided that, you know, I really didn't want to be a technical hygienist. There was much more to life than just scraping and cleaning teeth. So I started the first dental placement agency in the Bay Area, which was really probably the first placement agency across the country. And... Um, out of nowhere, which my idea just blossomed, and I ran the company for 16 years. And um, in the beginning, I was working as a hygienist and doing my business, and then realized this was more than a hobby. This was a real business. So I hired some people to help me, and it grew it, and it was uh, just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for me, actually having no quote-unquote business background. But I always believe in doing something in a field that you know. So um, this was something that I was very passionate about. Then when I sold my business, I got involved in publishing. And uh, my husband at the time in San Francisco and I, we ran a little magazine in the Bay Area called San Francisco Downtown Magazine. And it wasn't a tourist publication. It was for locals. And it became one of a group of... Uh, at that time, there were 15 publications all in the different zip codes of the city. So I was really the marketing salesperson for the publication. And I also sold for all the other publications. And believe it or not, years later, when I relocated back to Maryland, I still have clients that I work with that they have no clue where I am <laughs> with the one <laughs> with the wonders of technology. And then while I was there, I was working and my father got very ill. And um, as Radio Red said initially, he started writing because that was what he know that was his therapy when he was trying to recover. So he wrote all these little Seinfeld-like vignettes. And my goal in life, more than anything was else, was to have them published. So slowly, 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 I mean, when I was there, I really couldn't get it together, but I relocated back to Maryland. And in 2019, I published, I got his book published. And my mother is still alive, and she's 98, and it's so exciting to be her mm -hmm. to see what we did. And um, um, and now I am doing programs and it helps folks with uh, reading aloud, cognitive therapy. Um, they're short, they're sweet. They're just, you know, pick it up, put it down. And the attention span, you don't have to worry about it because, you know, they're very, very quick. So in a nutshell, that's who I am and what I do. <laughs> well, I would say creativity has a kind heart, Diane. 
Thank you so much. That's lovely for you to go and help people use the book. And, and if your dad was still around, I'm going to cry. <laughs> my, kid, my son always measures on our weekly FaceTime call how many seconds or minutes till mom starts to cry. So I try to hold out for the whole hour, but you made me cry. Diane, there's, there's a very sweetness. And in honor, because I, I met Diane a few months ago, in honor of her, I named this episode glimpses of creativity. I thought that your, was so beautiful. Your dad and your, I could have named it anything, but I did that. So there you go. I so know. Happy. I saw that. I was oh my gosh. Thank happy you. to have you. And Diane is doing little snippets of the glimpses on a live on a live video on LinkedIn, one a week or a couple of months that we started together. So I'm very, very happy about that. Now, I have to tell you, Vince and James, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I got out my audience meter calculator this morning, actually about two hours ago, and I said, how many people in the world remember Vincent James, who's been on this show? I met him at the Publicity Summit many years ago with Joanne Pierdomenico, his wife, who helped him found Keep Music Alive, and she used to come on the show, but she's busy now. And I said, how many people don't remember Vincent James? And Vincent... I hate to tell you, but I came up with 14.97285 people. I don't know how the 875 point people came into the picture, but that's how many people don't remember you. So uh, I want you to talk to them. <laughs> Vincent, we love you. Bring them up to date on what you've been doing since the last time you were here. Vincent, I'm putting you on speaker view. Bring us up to date and welcome back, dear. Thank you, Radio Red. So happy to be here with this great group of folks you have, uh, creatives. I'm all about creative. I've been writing songs almost my whole life, certainly my whole adult, adult life. Played in bands, worked in studios, put out records when there were records and CDs and tapes, and now it's all streaming. But yes, uh, it was about nine years ago where our Keep Music Alive mission kind of kicked off a little bit. We had an idea uh, about writing a book of inspirational, publishing a book of inspirational stories of how music impacted people's lives. So we published something called 88 Ways Music Can Change Your Life. This is the second book in the series, 88 More Ways Music Can Change Your Life. It's like a chicken soup for the music lover's soul. And we, you know, we reached out to literally 6,000 musicians around the country, the world, and, you know, gathered stories, edited some together and, and put it out. And that was kind of like the kickoff to keep music alive that we didn't even realize we were doing. And then, you know, one year, couple a year after that, we thought about something called Teach Music Week, where every musician every, everywhere in music schools can offer a free lesson to new students uh, to kind of get them started on their musical journey. And, uh, and then that dovetailed into Kids Music Day the following year, partnered with you know, the same thousand plus music schools and stores to offer a special event that benefits kids playing music. And the funny thing is about five years ago, I don't know, going back to 2018, about a year before COVID came to us, we started doing what we call musical instrument petting zoos. And that's where we go to schools, libraries, community festivals with over 50 different instruments, guitars, acoustic and electric, uh, ukuleles, keyboards, and dozens of different types of percussion. And we're going to library schools, community festivals, partnering with other nonprofits, anywhere we can go with kids and get them excited about playing music because we know it's good for their head, good for the brain and good for the heart. And I'm just, you know, last nine years have been on fire with this Keep Music Alive concept. All through my life, Radio Red, I would start music thing here and then stop for a while and start another music thing here and stop for a while. This has been the one thing that since we've started, we've been very consistent at it, which has really helped to grow the impact that we're having. And uh, I thought it was funny when you were having the chat with uh, Helen earlier about, you know, mentoring, coaching, you know, rugby players is kind of like coaching life. 
And uh, one of the stories in our first book was from a music teacher. And the title of the story is I Teach People, Not Pianos. Same thing, you know, he teaches piano, but he's really guiding the youth, you know, in life, you know, through music as a tool. Thank you, Vincent. Always wonderful to see you. Always wonderful to have you on. You were on my Technology Revolution show a couple months ago. You were actually in your car, in your van, remember? Talking about uh, the future of music and artificial intelligence. You were on with, uh, I think, Nelson Mullius and yes. Serge, Serge Hoffman and a couple of other people. And and that was a really good, you had a lot of good predictions to share. So thank you very much. He just keeps bouncing in and out of my shows. What can I tell you? Thank you all for the bios. Now we're going to go quickly, vite, vite, as they say in French, in to the part of the show where I've asked each of you to send me a fictional quote from a movie or TV character or a song lyric. And I've done a little bit of research on your quotes, and I'm going to ask you just to take two minutes this time, because we have so much to talk about. Two minutes and uh, tell us what it has to do with your creativity. So Helen Wright, good, you're unmuted. Thank you very much. Helen has sent us a quote from Ted Lasso, everybody's favorite. I'm so bummed that they only did three seasons, yeah, Helen. I, I mean, seriously, I we yeah. need Ted Lasso part two episode two, <laughs> season three, season four. We need to just keep going. So anyway, uh, Ted Lasso, if anybody doesn't know, played by the comedian from SNL and everywhere, Jason Sudeikis, an American sports comedy drama television series that lasted from 2020 to 2023, not for lack of interest, but they just decided that's all they were going to do. He's an American college football coach, unexpectedly hired to coach a fictional English Premier League soccer team. Not surprising, Helen picked this one, the AFC Richmond, <laughs> despite no experience and the team's owner Rebecca Welton, Hannah Waddingham, beautiful actress, hired him, brought him over to the UK, hoping he would fail because she wanted to punish her ex-husband Rupert, who was a player, not on the field. Everybody was his field, never mind. And Ted was charming and he was effective and he was wonderful and he turned the team around and they won! And poor Rupert. Yeah, I know. So here's the quote <laughs> Helen has selected from the many, many, many quotes from Ted Lasso. Quote is, you know what the happiest animal on earth is? A goldfish. You know why? It's got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish. <laughs> yeah. Helen loved this one. Helen, take two minutes and tell us what does this have to do with your creativity? Go ahead. Well, be a goldfish in 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 sports, right? We can you can get in the way of yourself, right? You can overthink things, and most of our trauma and drama comes from things that have happened in the past, right? And so when when we're coaching and we're trying to pull out the creativity in these players, and and we're trying to get them to be courageous and just just do things on the field, right? Just just and but what holds them back is there is their fear that they're going to fail. And all of that comes from memory, right? It comes from things that happened to you in the past. And so be a goldfish. Forget about that stuff. Just forget about it, right? Be happy. Be a goldfish. Be in the moment and just, you know, go for it. Just try something and and who knows what can happen, right? And And if something wonderful happens, then isn't that wonderful, right? Like that's just like Ted Lasso, right? The best that can happen is that we can enjoy ourselves, we can expand, and we can just engage. And so that's that's what that means to me. And that's how being creative, like on the field, being creative uh, just in your life and, and just being courageous to be able to just go forward and just try it, just try it, right? 
Thank you, Helen. Two things come to mind. The famous quote from Finding Nemo from Dory, the blue tang, forgetful blue tang, voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just, just keep, keep right, swimming. Like the goldfish. And the other thing is people talk about getting unstuck in their life. And if you have that 10 second or eight second memory, whatever seconds it is, and you forget about the bad stuff, it doesn't hold you back. Right, Helen? It yes, you, absolutely. Let's yeah. you move ahead. Thank you. Lovely, lovely quote. James Hill, I'm going to your quote. This is a little bit longer. It's from Ramble On, a song by English rock band Led Zeppelin, 1969 album, Led Zeppelin II, co-written, of course, by Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, recorded at the Juggy Sound Studio in New York City during their second concert tour of America. In 2010, it was ranked number 440 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. But... But, but in 2019, it was ranked number five on Rolling Stone's 40 Greatest Led Zeppelin Songs. So there you go. It was influenced a little bit by the lyrics by Tolkien's fantasy novel, The Lord of the Rings. There's an interesting one for you. Here's the quote. I ain't telling no lie. Mine's a tale that can't be told. My freedom I hold dear. How years ago in days of old when magic filled the air, t'was in the darkest depths of mortar. I met a girl so fair, but Gollum. And the evil one crept up and slipped away with her. Her, her, her. Yeah, ain't nothing I can do. No guess. I keep on rambling. How did I do, James? You did great. Thank you. you. That you was did a cold Robin Proud. <laughs> that was a cold read, by the way. I did not rehearse. <laughs> I like to cold read. It's always a good challenge for me. James, how did you pick this? And what does it have to do with your creativity? Go ahead. Okay. Going back to when I was in high school, I went to Catholic high school, all boys school. We had to carry the Bible, all right? So I had a big book bag, uh, looked like a bowling ball, bowling ball bag. And as we're walking out the door, the dean of discipline will make you open up your bag and he will look in. He's only looking for one book. He's looking to see if you have your Bible with you. Now, this Bible was a big brown, Thing, big thick brown Bible, right? So I'm go to a bookstore because I spent a lot of time in the libraries when I was young, growing up. It was a refuge from the gangs and stuff in in New York. We can hide out in the libraries, <laughs> and so I, I go into the library, I go in the bookstore, and I see this book, and it's the Lord of the Rings. Now the Book by Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings, looked exactly like that Bible. It was a big, brown, full <laughs> thing. So I said, okay, I'm looking at it. Hey, okay, cool. I put it in my book bag because I'm going to carry The Lord of the Rings around. I did not read the book when I had it at first because <laughs> I just wanted it so it would look like the Bible. And lo and behold, Led Zeppelin comes out. I get into Led Zeppelin. They start singing this song, Ramble On. And I read, you know, I read through some of it and I realized, hey, he's talking about the Lord of the Rings. I got to read this. And so I started <laughs> reading the Lord of the Rings and I read the Lord of the Rings and I love the story and I love Tolkien. And that's why that stuck with me that in the darkest depths of mortar, I met a girl so fair, but the evil one crept up and slipped away with her. And James. so he's on the search forever to find her. I don't think I've ever heard a story like that <laughs> from a guest on a creativity quote. That That's up there, kid. Thank you very much. 
very much. Very well told. I'm glad I did justice to it with my cold read. I yeah, that's. Uh, does Mickey know if you were going to say that on the show? Probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> we're we're going to send. We're going to send him the link to the replay. He's he's got to watch this for sure. He'll say, "What? That's my client. I'm so proud of him." Let's move on. Diane Perlmutter Reynolds has sent a quote, a lovely quote from Shoeless Joe Jackson, played the ghost, played by Ray Liotta. Who's also a ghost now? Field of <laughs> Dreams, 1989 American sports fantasy drama. And I tell my guests it's interesting how we used to have either a comedy film or a drama. Right now, it could be anything, it could be sci fi, animated, drama fantasy, space epic, space opera, and they put all these genres together. Uh, this is based, the story is based on the novelist W.P. Kinsella's 1982 novel, Shoeless Joe. Starring in the movie, Kevin Costner, of course, is a farmer who builds a baseball field in his form, in his Cornfield, attracting the ghosts of baseball legends of the past, including Shoeless Joe Jackson. And the quote, we love this one, is, if you build it, he will come. Diane, how does this relate to your creativity? Go ahead. Well, for me, I had this idea. And I had the idea when I lived in Maryland about doing this placement agency. And my concern was everybody was telling me it would never work. Don't do it. It's never going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. So what I did is I picked myself up and I moved to San Francisco, really not knowing anybody. And I decided that, you know what? Nobody knows me. Doesn't really matter. If I fail, I fail. But I'm going to give it a good old try. So I had the idea and I had a piece of paper in my hand, I made a phone number, I had the name, and I met the person that was in charge of the dental scientific sessions in San Francisco way back in 1976. And I told him, I said, you know, I had this idea and, you know, I can't afford to have a booth, you know, they were $1,500, $2,000, blah, blah. He says, that's not a problem. I'm going to put a card table at the bottom of the escalator. So when they come down the escalator, you'll be the first person they see. So by the end of the weekend, people were falling over my little card table. And I got calls that weekend that somebody, these dentists needed temporary people for the next week or whatever. So I built something out of nothing, out of a piece of paper and a phone number. And the next thing I knew, I had something real. I mean, I actually created something that was valuable, people needed. And in the end, which was kind of funny, I joined my professional association and they were a bit intimidated that I was going to do something to charge a dentist for a fee. And I said, you know what? Uh, you pay for your services, you know, and have something done. I said, I'm not charging very much. I just want to get the concept out. So it took me years, and I will say years, to slowly, slowly, slowly educate and build. And this that's the tenacity and the patience and, you know, the continuation of doing what you really believe. But I built it, and they came. And I was so happy. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. Thank you, Diane. And and the tenacity, that's a great word. Tenacious creativity. Tenacious daring to do something you believe in. How dare they say to you, what do you mean you're going to charge? How dare they? I, I know. Helen's making a face, too. It's like, seriously, you know what I tell people? Well, 
I know my I know my audience and I know I hate to I mean I don't know if anybody is a dentist here or you know they are a little bit uh frugal put it that way (laughs) well you know what I say when people make a comment like that I say mama's got to pay her bills too that's all I say that's that's it like what's the problem interesting just a sidebar Vincent I'll get your quote in a second I started watching a very strange show it's a Danish show with English subtitles on prime called Carmen's Curlers Carmen, the woman's name, Curlers. And there are three separate family stories where they all somehow collide and intersect in the strangest ways. I think I'm on episode four, but it's about a man who found out that somebody was inventing electric curlers for ladies' hair. And he bought the invention from the inventor. He built a factory to make them. They completely were horrible and burned his wife's hair in the trade show. <laughs> Diane, the trade show, everything fell down and the dancing girls ran away. And it was just, it was the laughing stock of Denmark. But there was something about tenacious. He went into a dark hole. He became a drinker, smoking and drinking. That's all. And somebody rescued him and brought him back to life. And then he bought land and built a big, big factory. But tenacious is what I'm thinking of. If you're looking for something that's so completely different from any TV show, I guarantee you've ever seen, look for Carmen's Curlers and you'll see why they named it Carmen instead of Axel, which was his name. What woman's going to buy a set of curlers named after a guy named Axel? That's what the beauty guys. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's tenacious is what you, it's a lovely story. I can't wait for more of it. Vincent, thank you, Diane. Vincent James, this is a quote I've never heard ever, 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 ever. It's Emperor Kuzco, K-U-Z-C-O, voiced by who else? David Spade. Love that guy. The Emperor's New Groove, 2000 American animated slapstick comedy film. I've never had one of those on the show. Produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation, their 40th animated film. Blah, 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 blah. I'm looking for something interesting. David Spade, John Goodman, Eartha Kitt. Wow. Patrick Warburton. Excuse me. Uh, Wendy Malick, all great voices, inspired by ancient Peruvian culture and set in an Incan empire, I-N-C-A-N. It follows young, self-centered emperor, accidentally transformed into a llama by his ex-advisor. James knows the story. Here's the quote, Vincent. I don't want to do any more. You got to help me with this. Yay, I'm a llama again. <laughs> <laughs> you did that perfect radio right Thank now. Thank you so much. Go ahead. <laughs> that is one of my, you know, as you know, one of my favorite quotes from different movies. And to me, it's just so funny, so creative. Uh, you know, the character, uh, Emperor Cusco, went through all these different transitions where, you know, he would turn into, you know, a monkey, an elephant, a, a squirrel, a cat. And then, you know, all of a sudden he was back to being a llama again. And he was kind of like, well, I was really mad about being a llama before, but at least now I'm back to something I recognize again. Yay, I'm a llama again. <laughs> and it was just, it was a tr- development transition that he went through in that whole movie. And just the creative ways of how, the different characters in that movie looked at each other and interacted with each other. It's just kind of always stuck with me. It's a great story. A lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of heartfelt stuff. And uh, it just really drew me in. And I don't know. Yeah, I just, I love saying, yay, I'm a llama again. <laughs> I love it. I've never, ever had a quote from that movie on my show. (laughs) And I read it and I said, wow, this is really cool. That's Vincent. Thank you very much. Thank you all for for doing the work to find interesting quotes. And I'm intrigued how well the quotes expressed 
your your creativity, each of you. Sometimes people just pick a quote. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But you all really you branded it to yourself. You you embraced it, and you chose it for a very good reason. And I I am impressed. So thank you. Now what we're going to do? We have oh seventeen minutes left. Plenty of time in Radio Land. That's the way it goes. I'm going to read one creativity statement from each of you. you. Each sent me four, and I appreciate that. I'm going to read a statement and ask you to take just two minutes to explain or unpack it, as they say on the news. So, Helen, I'm looking at statement number two. This is an interesting one. You say, once I have a basic vision of what I want to create, I collect like-minded people around me who also want to create the same thing, and it explodes the creativity process so that we're now all co-creating this vision. Helen, two minutes. Tell us. I like this because of community, collaboration. We talked about that. Helen, go ahead. Well, when I started uh, in rugby, there were no women playing and certainly no women coaching. And so uh, it didn't take me very long to figure out that we're not going to break into this field unless we have friends, right? And so there were there were many men who were like-minded. There were many men who could see the vision of having women play rugby and 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 coaching and and letting people explore who they were through this game. And so it's so much easier to create when you have people around you who have the same vision. It's like this energy just multiplies and, and, and it grows, right? Because they go, you go, you know, I think maybe we could rent that field and you know what? We could get the vans for free. Yeah. I know somebody, you know, that they, and, and I think the university would give us like the dormitory and the food. Do you, you know, so, yeah, I got somebody, I got somebody. And then everybody gets together. And everybody contributes. And then, you know, you have one person that says, uh, well, what about this? And everybody looks at him and he goes, no, no, just kidding. Just kidding. That's uh, okay. I, you know, I'm good. And so that's how that energy works, this co-creation thing, right? And the more like-minded people you get, and it gets keeps your own energy going, right? Like it keeps your vision real. It's it, it sort of, you can... Touch it and you can feel it a little bit when other people there are bouncing back to you, right? And that's where you get um, the joy, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, that's where the joy comes from in all this creation. Because I, I don't think that we would create or co-create unless it gave us joy. And and that's, that's the key, I think, is that get people around you that are like-minded, that share your vision, and then just share the joy. Joyful creativity, and that's also what's called a company, <laughs> yes. an, an entrepreneurial organization. That's your mission and your vision statement. I'm I'm mm -hmm. the person with the idea. You want to come on board and come on the train and, and go on the ride with me. Thank you very much, Helen. Very well put. Let's go to James. James, I'm looking at your statement number three. I will read it for you. You say, I can build worlds that do not exist, but if one thing was different, it could have James, that's a little bit of a of a conundrum there. Can you unravel that for me, please? Okay. As a writer, and everybody here is, uh, we create things in our mind, but we don't always create them from nothing. In fact, nothing is created from nothing. We get ideas from things around us, and we see things that have happened. And with our ideas, we can imagine how it would be if one thing was different. If you turn left instead of right, if you, if one, it's just one iota of an instant change, the whole world would be different. And so 
as we create our own world, especially in fiction writing and, and sci-fi and fantasy, as we create these worlds, we imagine, well, wait a second, what about this? And that's where the creativity really blooms and blossoms, uh, especially for me. Uh, I, I see these worlds around me and I live in them. I, I live in my own worlds. I live with my own people. I, I imagine their lives. I talk to them. I live their life. And, and I build a whole world. And as I'm building these worlds, these people are changing that world on me. I have my own idea and they have their own idea. And sometimes they mesh and sometimes they cross and sometimes they go their own ways. And it's all good. Um, James, I can I identify it. about five years ago, I wrote three brief romantic comedy plays and I had the idea for these characters and the characters told me what they were wanted to say, what they looked like, how they dressed, how they spoke to each other, what their emotions were. And at the end of one play, when I was writing it, I cried because the characters did something that made me cry. It was such a strange feeling that... They were, I was in their world. I had, I had put them together, created them, named them, given them a place and a time, but the words were just pouring out and I felt like I was being channeled. It's quite an interesting experience, isn't it, James? It right sure here. is. And there have been many a time when I have cried on the page. Yeah. And I, if, if I cry, I know my readers would. Yeah. And it, Very and, interesting. Yeah. So... And, I once was leading a, a community I was in in North Carolina. I was leading something called a cold reading salon. I don't know where I came up with the idea, but I took a bunch of comedy scripts that were free online, Roald Dahl, and some of the things that were available that weren't copyrighted or, or that were free, 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 fair trade, whatever you want to call them. And I printed out monologues, dialogues, and scenes for two or three or four people three, four people. And I put them on a table and 20 people signed up. And I said, good, just go look at what's on the table and pick something. The title appeals to you. You know, I don't know what it is. Just find something. And they all said, and then we sat down and I said, okay, you've got five minutes to read the script. Just five minutes. That's it. And then I said, who wants to go first? Somebody raised their hand and they did a, a cold read and holding on book on book. It was fine. And it was really well done, and they put their heart and soul into it. And eventually, somebody picked up the script that was one of my plays. I had snuck it in on the table, and I didn't realize it. And I'm listening. I'm saying, damn, that's funny. Who wrote that? I said, it's me. <laughs> I was hearing my words in somebody else's mouth for real. And I thought, God, that was good. Anyway, that was qu quite an experience. I want to move on. Time is ticking. Thank you so much. Let's go to Diane. I've got statement number three from you. This is very interesting to say, as I'm always thinking of new ideas, innovations, and inventions, it opens an area of personal growth, a feeling of accomplishment. Creativity comes in so many flavors, being an artist, a writer, developer, musician, scientist, tech geek. All disciplines call out creativity. Sometimes the best and most valuable ideas come from the experiences we know, but I want to go to that feeling of accomplishment. Diane, talk to us. When I create and when I try to think of new ideas, it always gives me a feeling of accomplishment. Um, you know, you start from a piece of paper, you start from an idea, you start from a just a little story. But as it grows and you collaborate and you're with like-minded people, that um accomplishment to me is almost uh, 
the epitome of what I'm doing. Because when I finally get to that point, even if it's not successful, and even if I'm like with my inventions, which Radio Red knows, I'm going upstream a lot. I still feel like when I join this inventor club, when I talk to people that I'm, that are doing similar things, that I can relate to what it means to accomplish something. And that it just takes, gives me all the pleasure in the world. It gives me the satisfaction that I know that what I'm doing has some value, has some worth. And um feeling good about myself when I'm doing it, feeling good that I can share these with other people, even if they might not look at it the same way or feel the same way about it. You know, this is my idea. These are my words. This is what I'm doing. And it makes, it gives me that value, the feeling of value and accomplishment. Thank you. I'm going to go with courageous on that one, right? Even if people don't get it, don't understand it courageous creativity. This is what I believe. This is what I feel. This is what I think. This is what I want to do. On that note, Vincent, I said to Vincent, I need more on your statements. And he gave me more. So creativity says creativity means something different for each person. For me, Vincent, as a songwriter, being creative comes meanings coming up with new song ideas, new melodies, new and interesting ways to say something in a new way. My creativity is inspired by the world around me. I get ideas whenever I'm out walking, meditating, hearing another song, thinking, wait, that one line is a great title. Ideas come at all times of the day or night. Just be open to them. And I'm going to read one line here. You say, current events, Y2K song landed a Billboard magazine review and appearance on Jenny Jones show and local TV. Why don't you tell us about that one, Vincent? Go ahead. Sure. Well, that was uh, just a little over 20 years ago when uh, Y2K, the year 2000, was approaching. I think early that year, 1999, I had this crazy idea about writing a novelty song about Y2K, kind of like poking fun at all the different things that people were doing, hoarding the toilet paper, uh, worried about the banks not being open, and just a lot of different silly things. And uh, it just songs for me, they just really kind of pour out from above into me. You know, if I sit there at the piano and think, you know, I want to write a song about this or that or want to write a great hook today, it never works. It has to come to me naturally when I'm not really thinking about wanting to write a song. And once I start getting the idea, then and I get some of the pieces that come from the universe, then I can start to craft a little bit. But that song, uh, Y2K, was really funny. I recorded it, a uh, demo of it, and then I went into a real studio and recorded it and put it out. Uh, this is before streaming was available. So it was, uh, you know, I think we were doing cassettes and CDs at that time. And uh, sent a copy to Billboard magazine, figured, what the heck, you know, and they, the reviewer for the magazine liked it and put it, put it in the magazine. I also, back when we were doing faxes to radio and TV and uh, national shows, I sent faxes out to uh, the Jenny Jones show and she liked it. And uh, they had me on the show, flew me out to Chicago. And, uh, you know, they had people on the show that were hoarding toilet paper, uh, you know, having bunkers built under their house. And all these different things, and uh, I was the musical entertainment for the for the for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was courageous creativity. By the way, my first play was about a couple that met from a dating site where they had funny faces and noses and glasses when they got out of the cab in front of Penn Station, and the <laughs> idea was around Y two K. And he was a programmer who's. He was a programmer, James, whose business took off because he was a contract programmer and everybody needed to know that their programs would survive 
when 2000 hit the machine. So there you go. Vince, and I, lived go that, I lived that as a programmer I, as well, like James. I, I was programming. Too. Yes. <laughs> me, me too. I was a marketing director at that point, but I understood the programming side very well. Thank you all for your statements. I just want to, we have two and a half minutes left. I just want to run through some happy birthdays. Everybody wave happy birthday to Sally Field. She's 77. I saw her on 80 for Brady with her friends and wow. she's still rocking. Rebecca Romaine, 51. I thought she was on a movie with Tom Cruise, but she married John Stamos and then she married Jerry O'Connell. What can I tell you? Emma Stone, 35 years old today. What a career already. Ethan Hawke, everybody remember the Before Sunrise series? Ethan Hawke, yes. I have two, I have three, actually two uh, social media stars are having birthdays and this is important. James, are you sitting down? Yes, okay. Vincent's been through this. Okay. Uh, There's somebody named... um, Ali A, A L I dash A, capital A and capital A, 30 today. He is born Alistair Aiken. He's a full time YouTuber who posts gaming and clickbait videos. I don't even know what that is, especially Fortnite. He published a graphic novel called Game On in 2017, and he has a secondary channel. James, you are sitting down, right? Yes. This young man who's 30 today has 18 million subscribers. Nice. (laughs) I always pick a couple social media people who are off the charts. Uh, There's a a woman named um, Jessica Ortiz, who's 26 today. Happy birthday. She's a social media star and a content creator known for comedy and reaction videos. If I knew what that was, I would react. She only has 10 million plus followers. And then we have a wrong business. What can I I tell you? I know. And then we have somebody named Sunny Christina. One word with three A's at the end. Sunny Christina. uh, uh, uh. She only, she's just starting out. She only has a million. She creates uh, (laughs) dance videos. And if anybody's ever heard of kiss or slap, that's a thing on TikTok, kiss or slap. Her tick kiss or slap. I don't even want to go there in 2023 only has 6 million views. Quickly, on this day in music history, Aerosmith performed their first gig at a high school in Menden, Massachusetts. <laughs> Vincent, that's for you. They became the best-selling American rock band of all time, 150 million albums worldwide, and the most gold and multi-platinum albums by an American group. Today is National Michelle Day. If you know somebody, Michelle, say hello. It's Saxophone Day and Nachos Day, and it's Recycling Week. And I want you all to know that here, we're going to do the closing real, real fast here. Pay attention. Don't go away. Life is short. Break the rules. Aren't we all? Forgive quickly. Yeah, kiss slowly. Definitely. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Join me. One, two, three. (laughs) 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 And never regret anything that made you smile. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else cares. Dance like nobody's watching. When I dance, they watch. Sing like nobody's listening. Love. Vincent, you should have sang. And love like you've never been hurt. We all have. Get over it. Money talks. Chocolate sings. La, la. And last but not least, I stole this line. Thank you for turning me on. Everybody, wave goodbye. Jordan, are we good? Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.